notes for us. All right, pulling up the notes say the show is mental traps that cause health problems. Health problems. Yeah. Right, right, right. So this is Fit to Heal. And today we have the good brother Dan Trez Omi, my brother from another mother and pops, Dan Trez Omi. And we also have Brother Minister Zumbi. And incoming will be the Queen, Rosalind, the Creator. That's coming up soon. But right now we have Dan Trez and Minister Zumbi. Why don't you start us off, man? What are some of the things that are mental traps that cause health problems? I, I think I want to I want to just real quick in her notes. She said one of the bullet points that she wanted us to go over was coping mechanisms. And I think that for, you know, and again, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not laying blame. I'm not um, I don't I don't want to do that because I don't think I don't think um, our ancestors and our elders and our exemplars and our parents and our families didn't have the tools to cope didn't have the tools to teach us how to cope. So um, because of white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, um, they weren't given those tools. Um, so those tools, you know, those mechanisms, those coping mechanisms weren't given to us. Um, and they dealt with how they dealt with, you know, they, they dealt with what was going on the best way that they could. Um, and a lot of us inherited that. I know people call it cycles. We inherited those cycles because they didn't know. So there was a lot of things that I picked up from my folks that were harmful, but they were coping mechanisms. But I don't like to lay blame on them because that was something that was thrown on them. Um, so thankfully today we're learning different coping mechanisms to get away from that. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of interesting. It reminds me of that old Mob Deep song, Drink Away the Pain. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and you know, you were talking about, I guess you would call it multi-generational, let's call it multi-generational self-medication. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, you know, I remember when I was listening to that song, it's like understanding the time frame in which that song came out in, I'd say the mid nineties, around 94, 95, it kind of gave us a window of how that young generation was coping with the realities of being in Queensbridge and other urban areas that were experiencing similar turbulences as Queensbridge. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Prodigy and Havoc are my age. So that's my generation. Mm, okay. Right? That's my generation. So they, yes, we were, that's. We, we, that's how we, we drank away the pain. And that's something that we inherited. You're exactly right. You know, and and so when you talk about and, and I don't really like using the word coping because to me, it's like tolerance. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because yeah. one, one of the things Bobby Wright, uh, our ancestor, Dr. Bobby Wright said, I think it was either he or another of our psychologists who says that the purpose of psychology is to get you to adjust to the insanity of the society in which you have to navigate. That was Bobby White. That was Bobby okay. White. Yeah. And and it doesn't, it seems like, and even Dr. Amos Wilson talked about how everything is addressed except the environment, except the society in which you have to operate. It's left off the hook. Exactly. Okay. And we never really deal with you know, I heard a metaphysical minister once say, there's nothing wrong with us, 
but something has happened to us. Whatever that something that happened to us was or is, it seems to be, I, I dare say, epigenetic. You know, where like, like you were talking about earlier, things being passed down from generation to generation and that and there has to be a generation to break that cycle to start a more healthier uh, cycle of future generations, whatever, whatever that will take. You know, um, and I think you were alluding to that in, in your situation, were you that generation that had to break though that that uh, self-destructive cycle or coping mechanism? I, I think to be quite honest, uh, and again, I don't like pointing fingers. I think mm. I think our generation made it worse, right? Mm. You know, because I work I work with you know I work with middle school kids. I work with young people, young boys in particular. Is my focus, okay. and um, a lot of the things that they do, they mimic my generation, right? Okay. So I know, like my peers will say, my peers will say, well, this current generation is doing X, Y, Z, and I'm like, well, we kind of like, you know. We, you know, again, I hate to be this way. We kind of look at Biggie Smalls as like the epitome of emceeing, right? When mm. a lot of the behaviors that he talked about were not positive and they were not healthy at all, right? Right. Mm. So, so a lot of a lot of a lot of my students like I want to hear Biggie, you know, like, or or they'll play a song and I'm like, wow, that sounds very similar to what we were saying, you know, back in the '90s and the early 2000s, you right. know. So a lot of a lot of the stuff that, that they're doing, they were they were just they're just mimicking us. Right. And mimicking. then, you know, for me, because I'm Gen X, I would have to really rewind to the Vietnam era. Okay. And and the reason I'm starting there is because of the emergence of Heron. And and you being from Harlem, you know what Heron did to New yeah. York City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's go from Vietnam when these soldiers were coming home, uh, addicted to heroin. Then we moved into cocaine. Then we moved into the crack era. Okay. And I dare say that when you were talking about Biggie's lyrics, would you say even though his parents came from Jamaica, landing in Bed Stuy, that Biggie's lyrics were a product of the crack epidemic of the eighties. Agree hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Yes. I guess. Okay. The music, the music is a reflection of what's going on at the time. So yes. Right. Okay. So, so, you know, so that's why, and, and I think you would agree with this is that I never try to view things in a vacuum. I always try to put them within the context in which they operate, because I think previous generations have a nasty habit of looking at younger generations in a vacuum. Exactly, exactly. You know, yeah. And so, for example, how can I blame the youth without me looking at the 1980s of what I call the R&B era, Reagan and Bush? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and what and, and what those foreign policies did uh when they introduced, you know, a cheaper form of cocaine, crack cocaine into the cities. And then, you know, created basically wiping out. I heard a former CIA agent say this, that what Heron and cocaine did is that they took out two generations of black and brown youth away from participating 
in the political arenas. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. So it, it it still has that rippling effect that I think we're still feeling today. Just like I always talk about how uh, we're still suffering from what I call the Gordon Gecko era uh, from the corporate raiders of the 1980s and, and how we're still still paying for the sins of the past. And, and the same here is we still have not learned how to use healthier methods of dealing with navigating through this, uh, what I call insane toxic incubator that I call racism, white imperialism. No, 100% agree. Mm -hmm. You're right. And I, and I think going back a little bit further, and I don't want to get like too deep into that part, but yeah, you know, heroin was released to the streets because a lot of our young people were radicalized, right? Right. They were, you know, by the way, there was the Black Panther Party, the Young Lords, the um, mm -hmm. Black Liberation Army. A lot of them were being um, radicalized, and then they had to flood the streets with heroin, um, um, especially when you had soldiers coming back from Vietnam and they knew how to fight, they knew how to organize, right. they knew how to, right. they knew how to do all those things. So they definitely had to do that, and they continued with crack cocaine. Um, and then now it's with lean and that now with more prescription mm -hmm. drugs. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. I, I think we have our elder on. Yes. We hey, do. brothers. Peace. Peace. How are we doing? I was okay. in the wrong room. <laughs> oh, Lord. Don't leave me alone too long with machinery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm digging the conversation. I was, I was enjoying hearing myself talk for a minute, but it just got old. So. <laughs> <laughs> Baba Seiko came and says, you're in the wrong, the wrong um, stream. So oh, Lord. I decided to come over here and join you guys. I'm so happy I did. I'm so glad to see you. Brother Shawala. My Thank brother, you. peace. How are y'all? Getting into it, huh? Yes. 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 Mental health traps that cause health problems. Mm -hmm. It is amazing what, that you just mentioned about the the epidemic with crack cocaine and heroin and how it came into the picture right after the Vietnam War. And, and, and the, the point was, was critical because that's what happened. We don't want, when, when they didn't want strong, the, the ones who survived, the strong ones to come back mm -hmm. and, um, can you know can continue with the i guess you know the 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 extension of the family if the point is to destroy the family and it is just right. just be honest then the family structure would have to have a man a husband a wife mm -hmm. and then the children right and if the trick or the trap is to destroy that, it is critical for that agenda to keep the union of the man and the wife, the husband and the, and the wife, the man and the woman separated. So what means did they use to do that right after the 70s when all this revolution was taking place was to implement a poison that could destroy it. Right. As it's quite as, clear as the, the nose on my face. 
Okay. As the elder, um, something came to mind from, from your vantage point, how much has PTSD played in, you know, the mental traps that cause health and for the audience, PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, a lot of those revolutionaries of which you spoke, be it the Panthers, the Young Lords, the Brown Berets, American Indian Movement, all of them have suffered some level of PTSD. And then those just regular folk mm -hmm. uh, having to navigate, you know, the 70s and then going into the 80s, um, political stresses, uh, economic stresses, um, you know, having to deal with the safety of your children with the emergence of crack cocaine and how it transformed cities uh, into living nightmares for many of our people. You know, what what role do you think that post-traumatic stress syndrome plays in that, you know, as, as a mental trap that causes uh, not just mental health problems, but physical health problems? Well, I think, I think your answer was in your question. Mm, um, okay. I, I treat clients who suffer with post-traumatic stress disorder and every, you know, whatever their nationality, their race or what sex or whatever, everybody has a level or degree of trauma that they've endured. Just living in this country mm -hmm. is a traumatic enough. Mm. Just looking at the news can be traumatic. Um, but when you call it post-traumatic stress, the stress from the trauma, whatever that trauma was, was, was specifically because you're looking at a situation that you have no control over. You can't mm. stop the madness. Mm. You're you're looking at your country doing like this over time. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the people in your country, their mental and physical health decline over time. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the, the education of your children, the way they function in society, how they treat their elders just declining over time. Mm -hmm. And you're, what are you going to do? You're going to sit back and just, oh, oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 constantly in that in that place where I'm looking at things that I just can't believe that that are being allowed to happen where you're teaching the children that education is not important or as important as everything else, gaming, television, housewives of Bel Air or whatever this foolishness they're looking at. The education and in this particular, in this country, particularly in this country, based upon what I've witnessed in my lifetime, there is no education. It's been annihilated, it's destroyed. It's almost as if the agenda is, we don't want the children to be smarter. We want them to be dumb. Mm. You know, that's traumatic. And dealing with the after effects of that trauma or that realization is even more traumatic.
And that's a stressor. Like there's nothing you can do. I'm living in a country where literally people are dying, being murdered, they're broke, they're you know, they're not getting the best nutrition. But you said it's the greatest country in the world. I'm here. I'm I'm not seeing greatness. I'm seeing everything but. So it's it's everything is is culminated into the destruction you know the destruction of the country <laughs> and, and there's 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 nothing that i have seen um and i was just talking to myself a few minutes ago about how we're conditioned as uh, children to how to cope we're not <clears throat> what happens to us just happens a lot of young children that i personally know who ended up growing up into adults that were uh abused neglected molested uh, uh, put on drugs you know really early um, just just treat it horribly. And when our soul comes into this earth and this planet and this plane, and they come in in a suffering environment and they have to live in a suffering environment and nobody is, is soothing them. There's nobody soothing them. There's nobody to come here, baby, you know, not even the grandmothers anymore because they have their own agenda. So when you think about the lifespan of a human being, I'm, 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 I'm going to use my, my children, for example, or my children's um, era. Because I didn't do this. I, 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 I nourished my children. If you take a child, a baby, and a woman, a mother, even if there's a husband in the situation, they come home. The doctor says, hey, you don't need those boobs. Let's dry that milk up. Here, take this powder, add water, shake it up in a bottle, put this rubber nipple on it, and shove it in this baby's mouth. And when that baby gets old enough, he can sit up. You sit there and you hold that bottle up in their face with some, prop it up with some pillows and let the baby kind of hold the bottle himself until they fall asleep, right? And then when that baby gets a little bit older and they can sit up, you sit them in front of a TV and you give them a fictional character to look at, maybe Barney or some foolishness like that. And then when they're a little bit older, you take them and you put them in a daycare where they're there abruptly from the time you're Maternity leaves ends at six weeks, and you put them in the in these strange environment with these strangers, and make them stay there all day while you go back to work. And you come back and pick them up, and that kid is like, "What? What did you do to me?" You know, they can't express that. But what was this? What is this? I wanted to be home, with, at least looking at Barney or something. And then you go and give them some food, but you nuke it in the microwave. Wait a minute. 
you stop at McDonald's on the way home and the food gets cold and then you nuke it in the microwave and you give it to that child. What is that child missing? Just tell me, what do you think the child is missing? Danny? A lot, he's missing a lot. I, th I, th I thought that was rhetorical, my bad. No, no. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was rhetorical. Um, the child is missing everything. Um, I know that, I know that, um, you know, speaking from experience, you know, being a father of four, I know it was crucially important that when my children came out the womb, that I was supposed to immediately place them on their mother's chest before I cut the cord and they were supposed to start breastfeeding at that moment. Then I cut the cord. That's that's one thing that I know off the rip that that's what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So um, if that's not happening, because that's where they get that bond, right? automatic bond right. is when they first latch on right after they come out the womb. And that is crucial to their growth and development. I can't, I can't right. explain and how crucial. And your immune system. Yes. Yes. So breast I, milk. Yeah. The colostrum from hope... the breast milk is 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 a vaccine is a vaccination times one thousand. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I think that also speaks to. And and I always bring this up, culture. Okay. How have uh, black and brown people engaged in? you know, child rearing and family building versus it kind of reminds me of Diop's two cradle theory. If, okay. If, if you're familiar with that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's like, how is it that we are supposed to act as our authentic indigenous selves inside uh, this toxic incubator that is the total antithesis of who we are. You know, everybody wants to talk about the whole thing about crabs in a barrel. What they don't tell you is that the barrel is not an indigenous environment Facts. to crabs. Facts. Okay. So if you put Facts. the crabs in their indigenous environment, their behavior changes. So instead of being competitive, they become collaborative. Okay. So, so what does it mean culturally? Um, in terms of how we, in fact, I was watching a, a Discovery Channel show called Warriors, okay? A former Green Beret goes around the world and study warrior culture, uh, warrior culture of different, you know, different nationalities, different ethnicities. He happened to be in South Africa and he was amongst the Zulus. And what was real interesting was this. Uh, the elder was explaining to the, the the former Green Beret, he says, once the war is over, there is a, I guess you would call it either a debriefing or a detoxification period where we don't bring them immediately back into society. Yeah, we have to slowly. allow, you know, we have to allow that savagery to be out of them before we allowed them back into society. And that really resonated with the Green Beret. He says, if only we as Amer you know what he was saying, if only we as Americans, in terms of how they treat their soldiers, would take a similar position as the Zulus do when their soldiers come home from battle. 
because they understand that war is a very it's a very savage situation. It's a very um, turbulent, brutal, uh, inhumane situation. And there has to be time for those soldiers to, to get that trauma out of them because they don't want that trauma coming back into their village. I, okay. I think oh, I think I think I saw this show. Okay. I'm trying to remember. It sounds very familiar. Mm. But if I'm not mistaken, there was a, a tribe. I think they were maybe South American or something. They would put like something sharp objects to their skin and getting prepared. Maybe it's not the same prepared for the battle, but can you imagine you use the word inhumane? Mm -hmm. You described a tribe of warriors coming back from battle and having to be decompressed before going back into their society. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned a baby coming out of the womb with a rubber <laughs> nipple being shoved in his mouth. It's mother's very things that she was born to do with her body, dried up with sage so that she can't give the baby what the baby is required so that the medical institutions can keep their pharmaceuticals alive by putting them in the baby for the vaccinations, which the body, the woman's milk would have automatically given them. Right. The, the level of inhumanity in our humanity, it's very, to me, it's very just disgusting. And it's, it's I, I can I can't even think of an adjective to describe how savage it is, but I love the word that you used. It's savagery. These these are human beings coming into the world, having having brought parents who having brought a life into the world. These are human beings who gave their lives to war for their families, and. And here, here are these, we're talking about living human beings. And over here, we're talking about dying human beings. And they both have to come to a place of inhumanity and trauma. These people are growing up. These children are growing up in the inhumanity where they can't even go to high school without going to a metal detector before some kid's going to blow their brains out or blow up the school. Mm. These are warriors protecting right. their families and keeping the savagery away and the result is still the same mm. that's mind-blowing to me and you know I'm, I'm glad you brought that up i'm glad we all made that connection because mm. you know we first learned about ptsd we thought it only applied to soldiers coming back from war Right. And then when you look at the symptoms and you look at young, you know, we look at our community because we are at war. Right. Um, it's the same sense. We are suffering from PTSD. So I know like the biggest hurdle is convincing, you know, people in our community like, hey, we're suffering from PTSD at different levels. Like you mentioned earlier, because we do we go through the same thing that soldiers go through 
right. in our community, right? And and that's that's like probably the biggest hurdle to admit, like, oh, I'm suffering from PTSD. This is PTSD, you know. And I think that's probably like the toughest thing we have to, you know, um, realize that we do suffer from PTSD. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things, you know, we always talk about these uh, quote unquote coping mechanisms or what I call self-medication. You know, we look at the things that we choose, you know, whether we choose the bottle, the needle, the pipe, or even use yeah. religion. You know, I, I, I have a, uh, I said, if I were to ever write this book, uh, I would definitely need security. And the title would be Jesus is the new crack because of what religion along with these other drugs has done it's become an escape hatch it doesn't help you confront the reality that that you have to navigate it's like you escape Mm -hmm. okay for you know how many ever hours is your sabbath you don't get instruction you don't go into your respective house of worship for empowerment you go for escape and entertainment to yeah. make you forget uh, what's out there. So, or what's in there in your own home. Right. And I, I can't remember, there's a biblical verse that talks about uh, sheep being sent out amongst wolves. And I think a lot of times that we've been sent out as sheep amongst wolves with no weaponry, no understanding of the terrain, no understanding of there's nothing wrong with you. You're just in an insane society. And and a lot of times we feel that in order to deal that we must participate in that insanity which becomes even more detrimental to us, not only psychologically, but culturally, spiritually, and otherwise. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we were talking about that before she came on. Like, yeah, that's exactly like 100%. Like, I'm glad we're making these connections um, because we do when, you know, whether it's the bottle and and I I definitely religion, I think think a lot of times we downplay how religion is, works like a drug. Right. Mm. In, in so many different ways, it works like a drug. It, 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 it like it gives us cognitive dissonance, all of these things. Mm. Um, um, and, and I get it. I get for for our ancestors that, that were brought to this country. I know for a lot of them, you know, church was the only place that the slave master let them be who they are. Right. So mm. That's where those Negro spirituals come in. And we were sending right. messages and coded coded messages in that. Mm. Uh, and I get it. Um, but initially, they didn't want us to be to be saved, quote unquote, and go into that religion because they felt like we didn't have souls. But then they used it as a way to control us, right? And we were told that we wouldn't, we would get our, we would get our, our righteousness and our, you know, our just do when we go to heaven. We die. Yeah, exactly. Right. So and, 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 religion, it's been a coping mechanism for us. Yeah. In, in many cases, you know, a safe haven, right, for us because it's one of the few places where white people let us congregate together safely. Without harming us, so I get yeah. that. I get that. Um, that used to be the case. Our DNA, right? It's in our <laughs> DNA. I get that. You know, mm. but yes, I think locally, in the 20th century and the 21st century, it is been used like a drug for us. Oh, it's, it's and, always been. Yeah. Well, you know, we. Why? 
because we we're trying to cope we trying we've been trying to cope all this time mm -hmm. and we're really not the ones who have a coping problem you're not really the ones with the co we can we can manage we can finagle if that's okay if that's what we got to do uh, take me a hit a couple of shots or whatever i'm good okay i can you know you think you're dealing with it but somebody loses their job and they're jumping off of a building right you know killing their wife and their children mm. i don't think we have the coping issue i think we have their mechanisms, they may not be the right mechanisms all the time, mm -hmm. but we have to do something to cope because our trauma never ends. It's ongoing every day. You know, all you got to do is wake up and walk out the house and everybody can see what, what neighborhood you live in, what color you are, things like that. And everybody else gets to hide. Until they are in a situation where they're forced to cope and they don't usually do very well because in their minds, I'm supposed to have everything I want. And if you're getting it, I'm going to go to the boss and complain until I get what I want. And, you know, they, they, they're, you know, there are a lot of people on this planet that just do not know how to cope. And religion, I was saying, and I'm speaking as a licensed ordained minister, mm. is has always been the fallback. I don't want to believe it. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm gonna hide from it. It's not, it doesn't mm. exist. I'll pray it away, you know. I'm right. I'm just don't want to be but I, the Lord will take care of it. I, we I hear it all the time. It's a drug. Right. So now, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no. Uh, you know, as you were talking about that, um, even even within that, I, I think there's, and I guess I'm speaking from from a metaphysical perspective. There, there was an old spiritual that the elders in the South used to sing, and the chorus is, "I'm so glad trouble don't last always." So something intuitive within the people understood that nothing lasts forever and that was a part of the coping mechanism in understanding that metaphysical law where there's a season for everything they may not see that season change but something intuitively within them understood universal law and held on to that in the midst of what Alan Greenspan calls the age of turbulence. Hmm. So within that turbulence, there were still some, you know, I, I've always said that the African spirituality within us was never fully driven out hmm. because there was something intuitive within us that understood basic universal laws. It may have been translated into be it a Christian, a Hebrew, an Islamic dialogue. But underneath that, we still had an understanding of certain universal principles. So that's why that song was always prevalent among elders in the South, because there was something intuitive that they understood, even though they may not see that day, they understood that that day would come. Agreed. 
Agreed. And, and you know what? You 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 made a point to um Brother Shawell. I I I I don't know how you're so thorough all the time. <laughs> 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 you you leave us with nothing, right, to say? <laughs> no, but no, but I mean, I mean, he's he's right because you're seeing young people, um, more and more young people going into African traditional religions. You know, African. You mm -hmm. know, you see a lot more young people than my generation. Right. You know, and when I, and when I was younger, it was just a few people here and there, but now I go around, there's more and more young people who are, you know, commemorating ancestors. You know, doing mm -hmm. libations. Going yeah. into the Yoruba, going into the, the Lukumi, like I see more and more of them doing it, um, particularly young people. Like my, you know, my daughter's twenty-two, so like her generation mm. is really like seeking these these paths that was already okay. it's already in us, right? Mm -hmm. It's already in us. Um, because um, and they just, DNA is a mother father. It is. It is. So, <laughs> like, so you're right. You're, you're right. And I think, um, uh, Minister Zumbi, you 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 hit the nail on the head when you said it was just waiting for the right time. Mm for it to come out and, and it's here. So I agree, you, you're hitting it right on the head. So yeah. and just want to point out that the notes also said that we were supposed to talk about religion and we're, we're already doing that. So okay. we're on track, so yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I will say this. <clears throat> when I was uh, in high school, I, I had to take Latin because I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> I ended up being a doctor, just not their kind. Um, okay. <laughs> and I remember specifically the word religion, meaning to go back to mm. that which something like created you or go back to where you came from. Okay. And ligare, re-ligare. Ligare, yeah, ligare. Right, okay. Ligare. And, um, and I always kept that in the back of my mind. I've, I've studied several religions. Uh, I, I, I like them all and I hate them all because they're just, it's, mm. it's just what it is. It's just like education. You can re accept and you can reject. There's, there's nobody has the whole picture and nobody has the non-picture. Everybody mm. has a little bit of truth and everybody's got a whole lot of lies. So mm. when you talk about going back to the true source it is never it never ends at the uh, the person or the persona jesus buddha muhammad or whatever is 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 that's just the physical manifestation the true source will always be what it is and that's the true source that created us all when i think about the fact that I'm a little speck on a planet that's spinning around in space by some force that nobody can explain. They've tried. <laughs> um, it just makes everything so much bigger to me. And it's bigger than the name Jesus. It's bigger than Jehovah, Allah, it's bigger than all the names. It's bigger than all of that. Because this, you're taking this much of what you know and being given this much of what they know, you know, so we don't know. We're, 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 we, 
we're in a chasm of stupidity right now. People are always going to say what they think and what they feel, and they're going to call it truth and fact. And they're welcome to, to do that. However, cope, coping is literally hoping. When you think about it, I'm so glad that trouble don't last always is hope. You're saying, I'm going to deal with this because I know it's going to come to an end. Now, it may come to an end, and I don't want that end to be my death. <laughs> you know, I would prefer to live to see the end of the stupidity era and to, to move on to a greater era, era. But at the rate the stupidity and the dumbing down of, of us, as victims of trauma when i'm i'm just i'm not talking about i'm talking about everybody we're on this planet together and there has not been anything that has happened yet to make us do this nothing nothing has threatened our safety our security not even COVID came close it would take something massive to the, to the planet that would happen to the planet that would cause us to see that these colors, there's still blood inside. These things, money won't buy anymore, you know? And so I think we're trapped. Okay. We're trapped and we're in a, we're in a place where we, 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 we don't know how to get out and we're looking for somebody to come up with an idea to get us out of our own foolishness. So the mental health trap that we are in um, is, is a lack of hope. Hmm. And, and the lack of hope that number one, the foolishness will end, the bigotry will end, the racism will end, the discrimination will end, the stupidity we're in, the lack of education we're in, the destruction of the planet, well, that's going to end, <laughs> you know. Mm. But until all of these things happen, I'm hoping. And in my hoping, suppose it doesn't. Mm. Just hear me out. Suppose that everybody has a thought. Suppose we just die like this. You don't think that's trauma to your mind? You don't think that's com coming out in our physical bodies? You don't think that's causing people to have all kinds of physical problems? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I uh, was saying on the other station to myself is that um, I treat um, my clients sometimes with um, emotional trauma healing. It's, very, it's a very painful thing to experience for them and for me. Um, to watch someone shed the pain, you know, to emotionally shed it, but to see how it had physically crippled their body. I actually looked at a person who was like this, and they were like this because in their mind, they were holding on to themselves, right? 
they were f- afraid and they were, uh, you know, something's going to get me. Uh, I'm, I'm scared. It was fear. And, and the fear had literally crippled their arms, their hands, their entire bodies. And to the point where they were actually looking just like this. Hmm. And so in my, in my, in my practice, I do what I do because I, I know it to be true. I know that the mind and the body, the mind and the body and the spirit are one. And I know this because this, the physical manifestation of the issue um, that I treat directly relates to what caused the hurt in the first place. Mm-hmm. People, for example, and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying it generally, I'm not saying this specifically. If you have had trauma in your body as a woman where you were raped or abused sexually or any kind of way, uh, a number of women will experience ovarian cancer or cancers in their womb, you know? And the body has this ability to try to heal itself with the web. It's called, um, why does the word leave me? Uh, it'll come to me. I can't think of it right now. I got too much on my brain. But it, the body literally forms a web around the pain, the painful area. Physically, it forms it. And um, we use methods that help release the body and tell it, okay, you can let go now. Just like on, on, a, on a, uh, if you go to the store and you buy a steak or you look at a steak, <laughs> you look at a steak and you see this marbleized stuff, fat or whatever you call it, on the on the on the the skin of it before you get to the meat this web of protection and it happens instantly when the animal is murdered or yeah i would say murdered killed um where it goes in the protect well our, our bodies do the same thing it, it's trying to protect us the brain when when it is tired of thinking or it's overwhelmed with thoughts it creates a web over the brain and and, and, and you see patients that have Parkinson's disease, uh, Alzheimer's, that's a, that's a form of st- stress um, conditioning or stress coping, you know? And so that's why my work to me is very important because it's not critical, but I'm mean, not the most important thing, but if I can help a couple of people understand and that, okay, you can let go now, and they start right. loosening up and opening up and letting go and feeling mm-hmm. free, you know, that that that's a life changer. You know, in, you know it um, it brings up a couple of books that I'm going to put into the record, okay. Uh, one I'm assuming you've already read is uh, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That particular... Oh. <laughs> uh, it, w- it wouldn't be down here. I, my, 
my library is kind of massive, so I only bring okay. a few books down here. But so, I, it sounds familiar. Yeah. So Louise, Louise Hay, Hay, you can you can, you can think, heal yeah, your I life. Okay. And in that book, there's a chart where she actually lists, uh, she has a list of diseases. And from her experience, what is the metaphysical origin of those diseases? Okay. And there's another book. It was written by a woman in Australia. It's like a two volume book, but volume one is called the metaphysical origins of disease. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's real extensive where you you pick a disease and it will go into the metaphysical origins of that disease. It kind of reminds me of what Reverend Ike used to teach is that things go through three phases. Everything begins in the ether. So you go from the ether to the psychic. Then you go from the psychic to the physical or the material. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm assuming in your practice, uh, exactly disease I mean. and trauma go yes. through those three stages. Okay. Absolutely. So by the time we reach the physical manifestation, you know, and in Western medicine, they never make that connection. Everything is always compartmentalized. Right. As opposed right. to taking a more holistic approach. Yeah, because you don't treat the whole per person because you don't right. see the whole person. I was trained to treat this with that drug. And so that's what I'm going to do. You are a person. You don't matter. I wasn't taught to talk to you and listen to you. I was taught to give you a remedy. So, and the things that I do, you know, like you said, and I'm going to get this book, uh, this other one you mentioned. I think I have this one by Louise Hay. But okay. there's a, a book. That, what's the name of the other one? I'm sorry. Um, I want to say it's the metaphysical origin of disease. I can't think of the author, but she's an author out of Australia. I know the book is on Amazon. Uh, the book probably runs about maybe, I want to say $45. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about, it's not, it's, it's a thick book, maybe about the size of an old fashioned, um, phone book for okay. those who remember phone books. But it's very it's very thorough when mm -hmm. when you choose the disease and then you look at its metaphysical origin. Right, right. I have I have a, a few books, and I'd like to add that one to my collection. Um, Phyllis Balk, um, herbal remedies, natural remedies, and okay. they tell you you know all the types of things that you can take instead of pharmaceuticals. You know, like mm -hmm. supplements and herbs and things like that. Right. And that's what I use. I recommend. Um, in fact, uh oh, <laughs> Fit God is. Oh, she's okay. on my case, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, what what is critical to me is that if we don't address things in the correct manner where we look at the whole body and the whole person, then you're not really treating them. One of the things that um, I just started doing, I'm not really comfortable with it yet, but I've been doing it for a couple of years and that is DNA collection where you swab mm -hmm. yourself, you send the sample in and we have a series of um, products and plant-based products and recommendations that uh, are customized just to you, for you. Okay. 
based upon what predis uh, diseases you're predisposed to, what's going on with you mentally, physically, emotionally, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it may be different because we just finished talking about who, who your true source is. And if that's your true source, then it made you and it made you and then the earth formed you and jacked you up, transformed you. Then you got to get a retransformed and get back right to your true source. So right. if that's what the true source is, then that would know it would be reading your body and your makeup and say, hey, 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 no, take right. it down a notch, you know. Mm -hmm. And these types of uh, people who are in the world that help us see these things and help us realize these things and all of the um, resources that we have, like biometric mm -hmm. scanning and DNA testing, uh, plant-based okay. supplements, um, you know, natural health, physical fitness and things that, that we use, herbal remedies, essential oils or whatever, all the things that I use reflexology, aromatherapy, these things may not be for everybody, but at least they're options as opposed to just popping a pill that doesn't work or just fixes one thing while creating 10 other things. Um, you know, you're, you know, we, we, one of the things we're talking about again was a, a lack of identity. If you don't know who you are, what you're made out of, who your mom and your dad, what they're made out of and what they're dealing with, then you, you, you're already missing. So we just need to get back to the root and the source. And then I know we're out of time and I apologize because this is going so well. <laughs> but another thing that, that just came to mind is, and this is something that I've always that I've always uh, wanted to address. When we talk about trauma, at least at a spiritual level, there seems to be this, this need, this addiction. You know, I always hear it with cats on the street about we've got the hustle and grind. We've got a hustle and grind. We've got hustle and grind. I said, well, wait a minute. Why can't you be? If you are, as you talk about being connected spiritually, because in the Torah, in the Bible, in the Quran, it always talks about being. When you look in nature, you don't see. When was the last time you ever saw a tree having to hustle and grind to be a tree? It, it's being what it's built to be. Okay, the grass, no matter what goes on politically with man or whatever, it never has to hustle and grind to be what nature built it to be. And it seems like with man or with humanity, they they don't do what they're built. They're not being who they're built to be. So it seems like when you always talk about having to hustle and grind you're acting out of who you are by nature in my opinion okay i agree and i say if you say that you are a child of the universe or a child of the most high whomever 
When was the last time you ever heard the most high having to hustle and grind to create the universe, to create earth, the animals, the environment, and ultimately humanity? Well, I, again, you, you always answer your own questions. <laughs> and and well, that's, that's what I love about wisdom is that, you know, uh, I, I respect and appreciate your, 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 um, your insight so much because it, we, we, we have a problem with time. Mm. We feel like we're running out of it all the time. Mm. And most, of the, most people, especially men, are usually running out of time. Mm. And, 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 and when, you, when I look at, you know, if I got brothers and nephews, cousins, uncles, fathers, bro, you know, and I'm concerned about their health there. Whether they're gonna, I'm gonna see them tomorrow or not because these fools around here shooting, you know. Mm. And we are put, we were put in a society where movement is critical for our life. Mm -hmm. We gotta stay moving just to keep from getting dead. And that's not the way we're, you're right. That's not the way we're designed to be. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to do it all the time. But where are, the question I would ask is, when are we allowed the opportunity to just be? Mm. Nobody's gonna give that to us. But every day you go into your own house somewhere, maybe somebody else's house, but you got a room, you got a bed. You have 24 hours in a day. You can make time to just be. You can unplug, take the headset off, take the clothes, cut laptop down, turn the cell phone off. You can do that. That's an option. And you can just be. You know, it's critical to my life, at least 20 minutes a day. Well, I just turned it. I don't want to think about anything. I don't want to care anymore. Right. But we're in a society that we're forced. Well, here, you got to get to work. Got to be there. You know, chasing deadlines, timelines. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, everything but the lifeline. Mm -hmm. And you, and then next thing you know, you're laying in a casket. It's like, what, what did I do with all my time? I'm gone. You know. You That's know, it's in, it's infamously called the rat race, for a reason. Okay. Yeah. So if you are constantly there's there's a term that's used called chasing the dragon. If you're constantly chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing, like you said, when do you when do you ever get the time to just be because you're constantly driven to do? Yeah, you gotta make the time. You gotta make you know there's no way. And, and you're always, at least from a man's perspective, you are never defined by who you're being and who you're becoming. You're always defined and judged by what you do. Exactly. And that's the answer to your question. Because okay. you need to be defined hmm. by what you do. Hmm. By man who did not hmm. make you. So if you're living for him, you can't live for God. 
Because God says it's me. So you, yeah. you know what you know what time it is, brother. I gotta ask you the three three giveaways, just takeaways before we leave. So mm. three things that you would because she would never forgive me if I didn't ask you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the three things that you think or would suggest to keep us uh, from first from getting caught up in the mental traps. Mm-hmm. Number one, and also uh, coping mechanisms that you would suggest and um, how to keep from conditioning ourselves to that mindset of just doing all the time, which causes the trauma, which causes the health problems. So did you, uh, did you close I, this out? I would, I would come now, I'm going to come from an African center perspective because that's who I, I, I mostly deal with. Uh, one thing that I always suggest is being in moments or being in uh, segments of silence because there's something healing about silence, mm-hmm. okay, where it allows you time. I think there's a subtle healing when when you are in silence uh, and especially when you engage in meditation. I know we had talked about that uh, mm-hmm. on a previous show. Uh, uh, another thing that I would recommend is to begin reading about who you are as a people, uh, not slavery, okay, per se, or go beyond slavery, all right? We need to read about our heroes and sheroes throughout the African world community over history. You know, we mm-hmm. hear about Nat Turner, but do we hear about Zumi dos Palmares in Brazil? We hear about Harriet Tubman, but do we hear about Queen Nanny of the Maroons in Jamaica or Queen Yasantiwa on the African continent? Because one of the things that Malcolm always said is if a man has never known that he has ever done anything, that he can never do anything. Because when you are a historically grounded and conscious people, you can never truly be enslaved. On any That's level. right. Okay. So get into understanding who you are as, as an African people. Uh, I talked about silence. Okay. And also understand that there's nothing wrong with you, but something has happened to you. That's so right. you have to become... Uh, I would say you have to, you would have to become your own healer. Okay. There's a difference between health and medicine. Yes. Okay. Medicine deals, medicine deals with what I call the immediate or the short-term trauma, but the health is our responsibility and it has to be a holistic health. Okay. We have to approach our health holistically, understanding Mm -hmm. that you know, everything is um, is synergistic, okay? Right. One 
you know, one one thing will affect another. So what happens to you spiritually will affect you emotionally, will affect you mentally, and ultimately and affect you physically. Yeah. Okay. It's just like that three-tier that Reverend Ike used to talk about, the ether, the psychic, and then the material. Okay. So begin to deal with yourself holistically and synergistically. Awesome. Thank you so much. We always say meditation is our medication. <laughs> Check. And and does it so. Thank you so much, brother, for being up here. Thank you, uh, brother Dan. Went out, so we're we're good. Uh, we didn't. Okay. I didn't start out well, but we ended up great. And I'm so <laughs> glad you came, brother Shawala. Um, thank you guys for being here with us tonight. We thank you for tuning in. We're dealing with uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. This this month is May Mental Health Awareness Month. We've been talking about mental traps that cause health problems and how it happens. We are thankful for our sponsors tonight. Thank you for our brother, um, uh, Brother Seiko, the fit goddess who came in late, who came in um, to, to, to share with us in the last few minutes. So we want to thank you guys. Thank you, Brother Dan. And um, we're so grateful for this platform to share with you guys. Uh, let us know what you think. Thank you for the comments. We'll be on live broadcasting on YouTube and Facebook, so you can see it if you missed it. And we're going to be tuning out until next Monday. Thank you all for tuning in and have a great one. Okay. All right. Thank you, brother.